It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, some of the crowd are on the pitch. On today's show, we've got the first round of Euro 2020 fixtures to cover. From Group A to Group F, we also touched on the extraordinary events that took place in Copenhagen. And welcome back to a pod of two halves. Um, Yes, it is me again hosting um, as our hostess with the mostest, Mr. Lee Cardard, producer Lee, uh, is currently on vacation somewhere in the south west of the country while there is an international football tournament taking on um, we're also another man down uh, we're having a minor disaster in the Spanish capital tonight um, in the middle of summer there is a mother of all storms taking place and uh, Mikey who is a father to a lovely dog called Wilson is having to do father duties instead the good news, however, is I am not alone. I am joined by magnificent Matt Jackson, who um, obviously took a prominent role in our Chelsea European Champions podcast, one that we were actually pl- applauded for by producer Lee, who was very concerned that it would turn into a, uh, a Chelsea love fest. Uh, they have given us a window of opportunity to uh, kick on with it being a Chelsea podcast. But uh, I'll go over to you, Mr. Jackson. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. I obviously only saw you a couple of weeks ago in my back garden where it was sunny and warm and nice and it is incredibly hot in the little room I'm in now. It's practically a sauna. If I put wood panelling up, you would think it was a sauna. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm enjoying the wonders of the European football tournament, which does make a summer. It's not the same without one. It's just weird. I don't like it. And it's great. Um... So yeah, it's good. You know, I'm I'm enjoying myself. It's good to be back on the pod. I didn't expect to be back on the pod, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been roped in last minute to to come and save the podcast. Uh, seeing as we did promise to do one, um, yeah. No, obviously a couple of weeks ago, uh, had an excellent time uh, having a barbecue. Or I, I, it's obviously not a barbecue. It was a 
a smoke out uh, with yourself, uh, producer Lee and, and, and John Moles as well. Uh, really good time, great time had by everyone. And you're 100% correct. There is something wonderful about the sun coming out and an international football tournament taking place. It just makes everything perfect in the world. Um, and for what it's worth, it's been a pretty good opening week. Um, all bar it, obviously... Uh, one very upsetting moment and um, that probably leads us into the first point which was obviously Christian Eriksen and um, everything that took place on Saturday afternoon and uh, obviously the good and the bad uh, was all there for all to see uh, and sadly for all to see that, that being one of the main talking points was the fact the inability for the BBC to to do the right thing and cut away from the, the live feed uh, which disappointingly fixated on a very upsetting incident taking place for Christian Eriksen, who collapsed uh, towards the end of the first half against Finland. Um, Shocking moment to see. Uh, And then proceeded to obviously fixate on his um, distressed wife's reaction on the sideline, which was completely distasteful. And I know that Gary obviously got to apologise afterwards, but someone needed to be pulling the plug on that quicker. Um, now, the good, obviously, is the reaction of uh, Simon Kier, uh, who I believe isn't the captain of the national team. That's, um, I think that's actually Christian Eriksen. But um, he was obviously a shining star through all of this in uh, being first to kind of make sure that Christian didn't swallow his tongue. I think he put him in the recovery position. And also then went on to comfort his wife to, to reassure her. Um, and also the reaction of the, obviously the paramedics and everyone involved really of that whole moment to He to was protect. also the one that organised all the players to stand around to protect which was, the cameras. Which was great because, um, you know, had they not done that, we would have just been watching a live feed of a, um, a, a human being receiving CPR on a football pitch, which would have been incredibly upsetting. Um, the good news is that Christian Eriksen himself um, was... Uh, awake by the time they left the pitch um he's okay he's obviously recovering still in hospital um obviously there's a lot of what comes next for christian but that's you know time will see what he's able to do um the good news and the positive news is is though that he is okay and equally um you know if there's other positives to take away from that is that daily blend who um, equally had a shocking moment in his career a couple of years ago where he collapsed on the pitch has been able to resume his football career um, with a pacemaker that obviously is able to look out for irregularities uh, in his heart heartbeat um, so it's not complete doom and gloom um, obviously it will be a collective decision by all parties and it feels very secondary to the most important thing which is obviously Christian's health Um Second bad thing is difficult, isn't it? It's been worded as being bad because the players were pressed to play the football match, obviously. Um, now, it seems that what's come out is effectively for provided an ultimatum of sorts, which was we either kick the game off again Saturday evening or we play it Sunday at midday. Um, now, the Danish players and the Finnish players agreed to, to play the game once they'd had confirmation that Christian was okay to, to, to restart the game. Um, 
Finland obviously came through victorious, which probably was against the run of play based on the first half. And I think Denmark did have their opportunities. And there's no doubt that all 22 men that would have been on the pitch uh, would have been affected by the incident that took place. And um, it's a tough decision. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Um, if, if you wait for the bad guy in this, or if uh, it's a case that there has to be a level of appreciation that unlike say this event takes place in a Premier League game, you have the window of opportunity to play a game at a future date. This tournament has a finite stop date, and especially because the group stage has to stop uh, by, I believe, next Wednesday. So with that in mind, really fitting in this fixture again, bearing in mind the two teams have fixtures against two other teams within the group to still play, it was an impossible situation for UEFA to make a decision in short term. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. It's a really tricky one. I mean, why well, I think it was wrong to play the game, actually. I think it was wrong. I think there's a mental fatigue that comes from that scenario, um, especially for whichever team has suffered the loss of, you know, not it's not mm. only just their, probably their star player, it's their captain too. You know, there is, that's going to take some time to re-gear your mentality back into playing. Because at that moment you don't care and you're not interested. Do you know what I mean? It's just instantly yeah. football goes it feels up. Window. Secondary to secondary, yeah. which is, and I can understand that. So you know, for me, I felt they should have done it the next day. Yeah, um, that's what I think would have been better. Um, I, you know, Finland are going to do whatever Denmark say. You know, they're not going to cause a problem. Any decent quality nation is not going to going to look. Whatever you guys want to do, you want to finish the game tonight, we'll play tonight. You want to play it tomorrow, we'll play tomorrow. We're not going to worry about it sort of thing, which you can understand. Yeah. Um, I think UEFA force them. I'm not going to lie. I think they force them, and I force them, think they force them quite hard because they have uh, a commitment to broadcasters, and broadcasters would have paid yeah. for that game at that spot. And, you know, I, I don't care what people say. Football is a money thing. Even in the Euros, it's a money thing. And I feel that sponsors and pressure, they didn't want a fourth game when there's three other games that day. They just don't want it. Because whichever sponsors are sponsoring that game are not going to get, you know, the right viewing numbers that they've expected to for their sponsorship deal. And and that's it. And and it's horrible. And it's it's not about the players. It's not about the scenario. It's about money. And I, I, I personally, I think it was the wrong decision. Yeah, I, I kind of, I feel in hindsight to play the game an hour and a half after the incident, regardless of the fact that Christian had um, already sort of perked up and was, you know, available. He was talking. He was okay. Uh, at least stable. That's the word, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I still think that they should have taken the playing the game an hour and a half after that event off the table. I think that playing it the next day would have given players enough opportunity to maybe uh, decompress, um, get better moment as to to what had occurred to be able to be maybe in a better frame of mind to play the game i i think that they they that maybe they the, the decision to play it immediately after should have just not been one that they were capable of making uh, when, when it comes to playing on another day i know some people said maybe they should have moved it to a monday the problem is um there's a, there's so many difficult factors with this tournament um the first one is it's a pandemic and with that, you've got the difficulty for fans, the difficulty for for players, difficulty for officials, uh, and difficulty for the production teams that are broadcasting. Um, that they're going to have this situation with COVID, where you've got to be ultra careful, and obviously all the bubbles and all of the tests that come with it. 
But Finland had to be in Russia, I believe today, for their second fixture. And with that in mind, you got to move the players, the broadcasters and the officials into so it's a very difficult tournament to be able to move things around because what you could have done in theory was move the Finland Russia game to tomorrow played the Denmark Finland game on Monday but just the complexity of it being in multiple nations in a pandemic I just don't think that the logistics would have allowed it so this, it's a real this is one, one of my upsetting points about it being in multiple nations I don't like this mm. format if I'm honest with you if you have a host nation or, you know, it's a shared nation, this is logistically easier to work out, this scenario, or any scenario where the yeah, game has absolutely. to be abandoned and redone, you know, due to pitch invasion or, you know, whatever reason it is. I just feel that this is where it goes a little bit wrong when you don't have a host nation where they can run it and they can move those fixtures and make it adapt and work. And yeah. you're right, I, 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 you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, and obviously the, the result came and, you know, it's a, it's a it's a double woe for the Danish, isn't it? You know, it is it's a double. It, it, it was kind of compounding things Like sometimes maybe maybe there was a, a, a potential for it to galvanize the team to, to kind of kick on and try and get the result because of seeing, you know, wanting to win it for Christian. But I think that ultimately what had happened was that the fatigue, the emotional fatigue of what happened, they, they just weren't the same team uh, playing. Uh, an hour and a half later than the team that had kicked off that 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 football match, and yeah, it's a shame for them. Uh, they'll go again. Um, you know, they've still got a couple of fixtures. The one thing about the tournament and how it's set up now is is that um, even Turkey today, who obviously had the disappointment of um, losing to Wales after losing to Italy, they they maintain in the tournament because uh, third place team, uh, third place teams that still have a potential of progressing. So. Denmark are still in this competition, um, but yeah, it, 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 brutally tough. And I, I guess I'd, I'd, look, I'd like to add on to that point. I don't like the fact that this this tournament is played in different countries. I do think you lose something. I also think that it gives a unique advantage to certain teams. So Italy have a, a, an impressive record in the stadiums that they're playing in, and they're playing all their home games in, in Italy. That's a massive advantage for them. England equally, we're playing all our home games at Wembley. And, you know, we've got an incredibly impressive record at Wembley in, in, in tournament football. Um, and then there's obviously several others that are all get into play home fixtures, uh, while other teams are sort of having to deal with that. And that that doesn't lend itself to uh, proper tournament football. It's not fair, right? There's always going to be a host that's going to have home advantage, right? That happens. That's part of part of the tournament. But the fact that you've got so many teams that do have a level of home advantage, I do think that is unfair for for some of these teams that are part of the groups of teams that are hosting multiple games at home. But that's a side factor. Um, the only other I thing guess, I wanted to add to that really quickly, just before we move on, is yeah. Also, in this pandemic world, is it not much better to have them all in one country to contain? Whatever struggling to work that out in my mind right because i thought yes right i thought yes um i think that there's probably countries not ours uh, that are in a position to host it right because i remember when it was all uh questions were being raised as to where we're going to be able to do this tournament and the uk were in a pretty good spot at that point somehow and we had the vaccine rollout and we were like let's host it here we have the stadium we have the infrastructure we have everything available we can do it here just as fucking well that didn't happen because uh, Matt Hancock uh, forgot to shut the door and now we're uh, back where we were in February uh, with 9,000 new cases 
a day uh, with this Delta variant. So it would have been a complete disaster had UEFA agreed to send the tournament here. Now, there are obviously other countries that I think are in a better position than us to host it. I mean, you look at, I don't know, have Hungary got enough uh, stadiums to host the tournament because they've got full stadiums over there, which must mean that they're all in a pretty good spot for it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but yeah, um, it will be the first and last time they do this, I think. I don't think that they'll do it. I, I'm trying to work it in my mind is if it's a good thing or a bad thing that they're doing it in multiple nations. I, I can't, bearing in mind it is a pandemic, my core feeling is that it can't be a good thing when you're moving so many people to different nations. That That's my concern. It's, you know, I know as much as we have a bad government that deal with stuff we do also have the nhs which is the only health system in europe that has possibly got a chance in a pandemic scenario yeah because we're the only one that's got anywhere near enough hospital staff and hospitals to deal with this scenario and we can't cope so you think if uh, you know another you've got all these fans moving around with all these different chances to mutate and get new variants you could just have another europe-wide scenario where it just all goes horrendous it could you're 100% right, and, and it's, it's a lot of pressure on uh, teams following protocol and the players following protocol, and equally, it's, it's, the, it's the spectators. It's, it's a really tricky one, right? So, you know, we're going to have fans that are going to be going to multiple cities, and people go to these cities, and they're not just going to spend some time in a hotel room. You know, they want to go and experience these places. I, I don't quite know the full ins and outs of how fans have been able to go to and fro to these places. I don't. I can't say that I'm an expert. I can't. Under, uh, maybe there is a case that all of these people have had to prove uh, multiple times that they're they're clean. Right? Uh, clean isn't the right word. Uh, clear. Uh, yeah. Um, of of having uh, the virus. Uh, maybe some people have had to prove that they've had a vaccine to be able to access. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, I just hope that uh, the Euro 2020, uh, despite being in 2021, uh, will be remembered as a tournament for the football as opposed to uh, causing a fourth wave across Europe. Yeah, uh, that, which that would is... be rather crushing. But I guess we'll see, in the other sense, we've got the Olympics coming, haven't we? And we'll see what the scenario is where it's all held in one country. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's going to be a, a interesting Olympics because the people of of uh, Japan do not want that Olympics um, because of the pandemic. Um, Now, I don't know if people are going to be able to travel. I don't think they are. I think it's going to be a really strange one there, that's for sure. Did you hear how much it's going to cost? I have not. So this was last year when they were calculating cancelling it. Um, And obviously that went even worse. But on the basis that there's no fans, you are down 10 billion. Oh, yeah. Because of all the hotels, the accommodation, the stadiums. So it's sad. Just, it's horrendous. Because Japan. Japan's I mean, I an incredible it, country, right? I mean, I what a country to go. they give them a World go. Cup or something just, just so they can cover some of that cost back. Yeah. It's a real tricky one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, it's a proper... Because Olympics are expensive, right? They have always been expensive to host. And they do tend to leave... Uh, legacies like World Cups leaves, which is a black hole of, of funds that have just basically been sunk into it and not much coming back. I mean, Japan is a beautiful country um, and I'd love to go and hopefully I will get to go one day. Um, it would be amazing to travel to be able to go watch an Olympic Games there, that's for sure. And it's such a sad, sad situation that they won't be able to. But anyway, we digress. We've gone off, yes. And now we're going to progress because we're going to go for a group by group uh, review. And I guess no better place to start than 
Group A, who are currently playing as we speak. Uh, now, I guess for me personally, team of the tournament so far is the Italians. Um, I think more so than any team that I've been able to watch, uh, they've impressed me the most. Um, high level of uh, intensity in terms of their press and uh, they do get forward and they do create chances and uh, getting goal scorers scoring early. Um, is always advantageous in the tournament. Just look at um, Shearer, for example, and 96 is a perfect example, right? A, a player that um, going into that tournament hadn't scored in 12 plus months, scores and proceeds to be the golden boot scorer. And I think with uh, Immobile uh, getting off and scoring early, uh, certainly takes a monkey off your back, um, reduces that pressure. Uh, so I, th- I think that the overall quality of the football that they played as well, and they're halfway through the game against Switzerland and they're winning that game right now and comfortably so. I think that they're the standout performers. Uh, I don't know um, how you feel about the Italians. Did yeah, they impress I mean, you? Yeah, they did. I mean, I always expect Italy to do well. I mean, they're seasoned performers at tournaments, aren't they? You know, they are campaign specialists in this sort of scenario and they have a good squad you know they always have a good squad you know they might get the odd tournament where they're a little bit weaker but they've got a decent manager they've got a good squad they're well organized and the, the intensity they played at was 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 quite amazed by to be honest with you that that's not really what i associate with italian football but it was a high intensity high pressure game and they did well it shocked the turks that's for sure turkey I don't think were prepared for Italy to come out the blocks the way they did and Turkey going into the tournament, um, many people's dark horses, weren't they? Um, which made opening night an intriguing one. Uh, the, the Italian team, who obviously on this incredible run of 27 unbeaten, uh, but equally didn't play at the World Cup in 2018, playing against a team in Turkey who, uh, as I mentioned, were favoured by quite a few to do something in this tournament. Now, they got blown out by the Italians, um, and then they were handily beaten by the Welsh earlier due to, in no small part, Gareth Bale, who, despite blazing a penalty, uh, was exceptional. Um, his passing was he was special. Wasn't I it? didn't realise he had that in his locker. What no, a play. I admit, that was a bit of a surprise. And the only thing I would say about that is it was the same ball three times, and the Turkish didn't pick it up once. Yeah, Aaron Ramsey brings something... That um, it's difficult to, to teach. You know, we had it at Chelsea for a long time with Frank Lampard, the ability to make runs and score goals right from midfield. Um, and I don't think Arsenal really knew what they had lost or had in Ramsey until he'd gone. Um, I don't quite believe it's worked in Turin for what it's worth. No, but he's that's, never really had a chance, has he? No, in two ways, managers in Sari and and Pirlo going into a third manager. It's not been a, a set of time and probably the worst time to be playing at Juventus um, as well, bearing in mind how poor they were last season. But anyway, again, like in Turkey, I've been so disappointed by them. So disappointed by them. I think that having looked at them coming in, they did look like they were a team that, not necessarily capable of winning the tournament, but certainly capable of uh, getting through the group stage at least and then starting to progress through from that point pending the draw, obviously. Um, but they, yeah, five goals conceded, zero scored. Uh, that 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 sums up where they are. Uh, bitterly disappointing. Uh, Switzerland, I thought they were pretty good against Wales. I thought they were unlucky. Um, 
Perilla Mbolo for, for them playing up front. A player who burst onto the scene a few years ago, uh, one of these youth prodigies that I think a lot of people were excited by. Hasn't really kicked on in his club career, but he was giving Wales an absolute nightmare. And on another day, he's got maybe a couple goals uh, and maybe an assist too to his name. But um, crucially... Wales pinned them back, which puts a bit of pressure on them into this this football fixture tonight against Italy. Uh, they, they have got their final fixture against Turkey, which they'll fancy themselves having seen how poor Turkey have been. So Switzerland and, and, and Wales are looking likely in a position to finish on the same amount of points, which puts one of them probably in a, a best third place position. So both look likely to get out of the group, probably pending, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just judging that Switzerland will do enough to beat Turkey, which is a big if. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll touch on, on Wales quickly as we briefly did. Impressed? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, after today's performance, yeah, I am actually. I mean, look, you know, you know they've still got the big, Still got the Italians to go, okay? So, you know, let, let's not get carried away here. This That could be a huge reality check coming. But, you know, they've got points on the table against the two other oppositions. Like you said, they, they should qualify. Hmm. And I'm impressed with them, you know. I mean, everybody comes in and says, well, it's, you know, it's Gareth Bale, it's a one-man team. Yeah, he, he delivered today. But actually, do you know what? Ramsey had a good game. He did. A lot of them had a good game. And that's, I even the goalkeeper made a really decent save as well, didn't yeah. he? Uh, Dan, Danny not... Ward in goal was was solid again. I mean, he was really good against Switzerland. He's had a couple of exceptional games already in this tournament. Um, you know, to have a goalkeeper that uh, you have good faith in to be able to deliver the big stops in the big moments, um, especially in knockout football, helps a lot. I thought defensively, they played like a team that were willing to do whatever it took to win the football match today, and I think that um, that's commendable. So you've got a team that defensively are willing to defend hard um, and you've got quality at the other end in Bale and Ramsey that um, as a tandem they can get are they the as good as anything in the tournament there's probably obviously richer teams in the competition but it, again Wales are sort of in this position where they're capable of upsetting the more established teams I think um, I'm not too sure how far they'll go I mean last week I'd written them off completely I, I really didn't think but then I completely forgot the fact that Gareth Bale playing for Wales is a completely different animal. It, it is It is a different animal. It's an animal that wants to play, wants to do stuff, wants to get around mobile. And, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a closet Gareth Bale fan, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, because he has that ability in his locker to go and win a game single-handedly. Uh, you know, a lot of teams rely on that in a tournament. Um, and when he's singing like he was today, you know, that, that, that is terrifying for the top teams. You know, he is a world-class player. Um, so, yeah. The second I mean, goal today, I really enjoyed. The fact that Turkey were allowed him to do it the first time, to take a corner, run the touchline and almost score. The fact that they allowed him to do it the second time and basically create the goal to, to completely ice the game is shame on them. But there's something wonderful about a player looking at the scoreline, looking at the time and going, I'm not playing for time here, I'm playing to kill the game. Um, brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. And, and, and well played to Wales. I mean, you know, if they get out of their group, which is looking pretty good now, you know, as long as they don't take an absolute tonking from, from Italy, um, then, you know, would, would, would everybody be happy with them getting out? Oh, I think that's good. I think that's, 
I think that's the achievement done. I think everybody should be really proud. I mean, they didn't have the best going into this with their manager, but I won't go down that road again. Um, you know, so they come know, out the other side with a better manager, though. That's I, the mad totally thing about agree. it. Uh, there's something about former United players being managers and maybe not knowing exactly <laughs> what they're doing. Yeah, um, um, but we won't go down that road again either. Um, the, the Fergie, the Fergie coaching tree isn't so strong. Um, it's similar to Bill Belichick in, in the NFL, to be honest. Um, another person that doesn't have the strongest coaching tree. Uh, bear in mind the, the the players or coaches that have come from under him to go into coaching haven't necessarily Always been clicked. successful. Mm. Um, but that's Group A summed up. I, I guess how we're feeling, Italy topping it. Who do you think is going to finish? I, I, you know, it's an interesting one because, I, like I said, I think Switzerland and, and Wales both finish on on four points. I think Turkey, I think Turkey look primed to finish on a goose egg, mate. And do you um, know really... what? I, I'm going to call it slightly different. I think Wales are going to finish second because I think the Turks are going to turn up in the last game and going to go and surprise everybody and go. Do you know what? If we've got any chance of getting through, we have to win this game. And I think they could cause the Swiss problems if they click. And, you know, also, they haven't turned up yet. And, if you know, they might want to give a showing up to their fans saying, look, OK, it didn't work, but at least we tried. So I, I'm, I'm going to go Wales second. I'm going to mix up So Wales second, and, and then, then I, Turkey or third. The Swiss, yeah, or, or the Swiss third. It, it could be either, depending on that game. Interesting. OK. Um, so Group B, uh, we spoke about it briefly earlier. Um, Finland's getting their first victory uh, at tournament football. Sadly, unable to... I really take any enjoyment out of it, which is a real shame uh, for them. Um, beaten by the Russians today, um, Russia, who were handily dealt with by uh, Romelu Lukaku and Belgium last Saturday, Saturday night. Um, he looks hungry to make a point in this tournament, doesn't he? He does a little bit, doesn't he? I mean, I think the Belgian team as well, like you said, it, it is the last roll of the dice for this squad, really, to go and put some silverware down. Um, it is a golden generation for the Belgians and they need to win something. You know, their closest neighbours have had this issue over the years of golden teams and not yeah. putting silverware on the table or in the cabinet, as we should say. Um, so I think, yeah, I think they're hungry to do something. And once again, you know, Belgium, if they click, they are a dangerous team. They have got stacks of talent. Maybe yeah, I mean, their defence is not... Their defence is old, but I guess you could equally experience. say experienced, right? That's the argument for it. Um, you know, playing in the back three, maybe they're trying to hide some of their weaknesses in there. In, in Courtois, as much as I dislike the human being, he's, he's an exceptional goalkeeper. And when you've got a player like Romelu Lukaku in the form that he's had this calendar year, um, or in this season in general, um, you're always going to give yourself an opportunity um, to go far. Uh, they did that, obviously, against Russia without Kevin De Bruyne, uh, who's still to come back, and Eden Hazard still sort of working his cameo, way back into things. He? he had a little cameo towards the end of the game. If they can get them fit for the end of the group stages, that that could be quite a worrying team to come up against. They're, they're, they're going to be a tough out for someone, right? Yeah. Um, I think that they fall on the side um, of the... You know, I, I haven't got how the, the structure works out because with the third-place team being know how the, the knockout, place, I'm not no, too sure no, how it works out. But well. I think... I think they're on the side of the jaw where they'll probably play Italy is how it's shaping up eventually, um, which is a tantalising football match. Um, mm. I think that side of the jaw will end up with Belgium, Italy and France. So uh, a lot of very good teams. But Belgium, um, they've got their second game to come, I believe, tomorrow. 
where they'll be playing against Denmark. Um, uh, the Italians have scored again. Yeah, I think it's Locatelli again. I think it's Locatelli. No, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. Um, the it other. So the other teams, obviously, we, we quickly touched on was um, Russia and, and Finland. Um, Russia getting an important victory at home today against Finland. Um, gets them back into to things. They've obviously played the toughest team in the group. They've got Denmark to play. Um, I think they will come out second in the group. They are probably, arguably, the strongest second team in that group. Some distance behind Belgium. Yeah. Um, but once again, they're a team that if you got into the rounds, you'd be quite happy to face. I'm quite happy if we took on the Russians. I don't see that much danger there. No, they, they haven't got a yeah. lot. They, they haven't got a lot going for them either end of the pitch, to be honest. Uh, I think the Finnish should be a little bit disappointed um, to, to not get a result there today. Uh, obviously, Denmark are in that group. It's going to be interesting to see how they can bounce back from... Obviously, what's been an incredibly tough time. Um, as I said, it, it goes one of two ways. Um, you can let it affect you um, or it can galvanise you. I think this Danish group will turn up. It's just it's a really tough ask against Belgium next time up. It is, isn't it? That, that's what it is. That's the biggest issue because, like you said, if they don't turn up and if they're not over it, you, you know, they, 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 this could, they could start running up the, the score here quite quickly. Um, yeah. So it's, we'll it's, see. It just you, you, they're an unknown at this stage because you just don't know how they're going to react. No, because it's it's an interesting situation the way the group's playing out because Finland finished with Belgium. So you can see a situation where Belgium run the table, right? They finished with nine points. Um, if Denmark then beat Russia in their final game, which isn't against the realms of possibilities, uh, the three remaining teams all finish on three points respectively. Uh, then it comes into a mini league, and that would have meant that they would have all beaten each other. To get to the three points. So we're down to goal difference then. So I think you're down to goal difference and then goal scored. So Russia and Finland have beaten... Well, it's all 1-0, one 1-0 nil, one nil at the moment. Yeah. So um, anything more than that for, in, in terms of Denmark's favour would put them through. It's going to be incredibly tight. I don't know how it comes down to if, if there's an element that you have to be a coin flip at that point. If they, if Denmark, say, go in and beat Russia 1-0. Uh, I guess Russia's problem is, is they got smacked by by Belgium, which really kills their... The chances, you know, kind of got to hope that Belgium continue this on and smack other teams. But of course, yeah. the last team for them to place will be Finland, and if they're through, which they will probably be comfortably through by that stage, they may well rest a load of players. Yeah, uh, they may well also play some players to get some minutes under their belts, which would be De Bruyne and Hazard coming back. So there's, there's it could go one of two ways there. A uh, really interesting balanced group, group, isn't it? That one, um, other than obviously the clear favourites for that. <laughs> I take Belgium out of it. It's a bit like the Bundesliga here, isn't it? Just test take Bayern Munich out of it. And it's a really interesting league. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, moving on to Group C. So Group C, um, we've obviously just had one game uh, for, for each team so far. Uh, Austria, they left it late, but eventually uh, beat North, North Macedonia 3-1. I have um, to say, I missed this game. I haven't seen the It wasn't highlights. without controversy. Um, Marco Anatovic has got himself a suspension um, for their next fixture. Uh, he said to, something inappropriate, I believe. He did, uh, towards one of the North Macedonians. Um, I'm not too sure what was said. I can't say I'm an, I'm an expert on it, but I think it has a racial undertone, uh, clearly. 
Um, now, their next game is against Holland, um, who won entertaining football. That's the match of the tournament so far, by the way. Um, Do you know what? I'm gutted because I watched the first half and I was like, oh, God, this is not going to go anywhere. And then I wandered off and forgot to start the second half. And then I got, it was kind of like 20 minutes ago. I was like, oh, what the hell's going on in this game? It's, 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 it was very much like that. Um, I thought um, Holland's were pretty good. I think they were better than what I'd expected them to be. I think up front they've got an interesting player um, as well, uh, whose name is completely escaping me, and I'm going to go dig it out now. It's uh, Veghorst, uh, who um, I didn't know who they were going to play up through the middle, but this guy looks like a fucking handful, to put it bluntly. Um, he's okay. willing, uh, has a goal to his name as well. Apparently scored quite freely in the Bundesliga, but then again, you never really know. You never really know of that league. Um, we'll get but on to that later. He um, he really gave him a good outlet. Um, when Algem was good as well. I've got to say, Dumfries, he was involved in everything uh, in the offensive third. And I, I think he's a player that's been linked with Everton. And I think that'd be a great acquisition because he offered a real threat from the right wing, uh, right wing back position, I think, where he was playing. Um, now... It's good and bad with them. So going forward, they seem to create plenty of opportunities. At the back was a bit of a concern. Um, now, admittedly, the two goals that the Ukraine scored, uh, one of them was a Yarmolenko special, uh, cutting yes. in from the right wing and just pinging it. To he has the top got a corner. wonderful left foot, hasn't he? He has. Um, Shame that the, it's attached to that knee. That's a <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Otherwise, uh, yeah, he'd be a special talent. Um, and then the free kick, I mean, the ball for the for the equaliser for Ukraine was sumptuous and absolutely wonderful uh, crossing and, and buried, you know, two really good goals for the Ukraine. And it would have felt really flat for the Dutch to be in such a prominent position at home again. They had the home advantage and to, to kind of blow that. But um, getting that late winner from Dumfries, um, who got up well for, for his goal. Uh, yes, he put, missed one, didn't he? And then he, he did. scored one. He good did. for him, really, because he's a young player as well. He is a young player, uh, so he sh- he didn't let um, I guess the disappointment of of spurning good opportunities earlier in the game uh, get to him, and he, he continued to impress I think throughout. Uh, so the Dutch put themselves um, towards the top with Austria. I believe the next fixtures have Austria, as I said, Austria against um, the Netherlands. Now I, I I was pretty downbeat on Austria last week. Um, I don't know if you can read too much into it because North Macedonia are a team that are lacking an overall level of quality. They look like a willing group. I don't they're, Did you see, did you even they, see the, the goal that they scored? No. It's I, an I incredible sequence of hilarity just unfolding. Um, proper Benny Hill music should have been played over the top of that one. Um, sort of they, the, I think the goalkeeper managed to clear the ball into his defender uh-huh. and then fluffed the save and the ball broke to uh, Goran Pandev who... 37 years young um, managed to, to score yeah, North, North Macedonia's it. first goal uh, at an international tournament so a uh, really great moment for them but ultimately quality showed I think it was that, uh, David Alaba who, who in the end was uh, the difference maker now he does carry a legitimate threat going forward as, as we know um, and probably the most talented player they have I think I just edged the Dutch against the Austrians uh, still I think I would. I think it's it's the you know they haven't done the usual thing where they've had a massive falling out. 
So it's quite refreshing in this tournament to see the Dutch haven't fallen out before we started. So that's a good start. It's always a good start. I mean, there's it still is. plenty of time. Plenty of time for that to go wrong. Um, yeah. They, it, one thing I would say is that Memphis Depay, bearing in mind he's meant to be the golden goose going forward, he really isn't up to much. He really isn't up to much. Um, I think the term I would use is preening schmo uh, to describe <laughs> Memphis. Um I I just don't see it. I know that he's had some, some moments in Lyon, but I think that suits him. He's about to go sign for Barcelona. I think they're going to be bitterly disappointed with that kid. Uh, I think that he's more... I just more don't get why they want him. Free agent and Dutch coach. They haven't got any money to do any business other than free agents, right? That's 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 ultimately their transfer policy. They've got enough in that position. Um, Yeah, you could probably argue so. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I just don't... He's a bench warmer, isn't he? To so he adds more money to the cap where they really need world class players when they can after they sold players. That that's what they need. I, I yeah. just don't see it. But. I mean, I, I think the addition they should have made was uh, Genie Wijnaldum, who again he, he compared to what his output at Liverpool is, and don't get me wrong, he was really good for Liverpool. He was incredible for the Dutch on on Sunday night. Um, really impressive player. Um, Paris had got themselves one there, stealing, stealing him under the nose. I don't have a clue what Barcelona are doing there, playing around to allow him to end up because that that that's a position of massive need for Barcelona in that central midfield area. Um, and yeah, um, if they're going to sign Memphis uh, at the expense of of uh, Genie, that just sums up their their laughable transfer policy that they have at the Camp Nou. Um, my, only, my only thing is they couldn't get rid of players to make enough to make the wages work. That's the only thing I can think of why Barcelona were mucking around with that transfer. Maybe, maybe. That's I mean, the I don't... only thing. Otherwise, you're right. Good God, what are they doing? It's just yeah. going to get worse. So in terms of that group, um, we're taking the Dutch over the Austrians. Um, Austria's still yeah. got themselves obviously in a great position, but they have played the weaker side. Uh, Ukraine versus North Macedonia is obviously a massive uh, fixture for, for, for the Ukraine to... Uh, take advantage of being the better team or against the, the group that are perceived as being the whipping boys in that group, uh, which does set up a tantalising fixture in the last game day of Austria does, versus it? Ukraine for, for see, progressing I'd, into that tournament. I'd expect Austria to edge that one, but you can easily see the Ukraine winning it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I, I just, I don't know why. I just, I've got a feeling that the Ukraine will do it. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those that I wouldn't be willing to put any of my money on it uh, because I don't know enough about either team. Uh, but I Ew. think that, um, yeah, it, that that despite not being maybe a glamorous fixture, it certainly would be a fixture of um, high importance for both both teams. Uh, group D, obviously, the group uh, for which England are playing in. Um, Let's talk about England. Um, they obviously kicked off things on Sunday lunchtime. Um, I found that it was the most comfortable football match that I've seen England play at an international tournament for a long time. Well, we started from minute one. When does that ever happen? We always need about 15 minutes to get going. Yeah, they, they started really brightly. Um, didn't take their opportunities early, which does you have that cliche of, or if you don't take your opportunities when you're up, you, you can pay for it. But I've got to say, Croatia were just... I, I didn't believe Croatia were ever going to score. Um, they lack a focal point. The the hole which uh, Mandzukic has left for that team uh, it was all far too apparent. You know, Modric is still a, the talented player that he was 
uh, three years ago um, in taking or playing a significant role in getting that team to uh, the World Cup final. But the others around him have aged out a bit. Kovacic, we know he's a he's a lovely player to watch. He's very good on the ball, just doesn't offer enough in, a, in an offensive phase uh, to really threaten scoring. And it was a comfortable afternoon. Um, I think, you know, you look at the going into the game, obviously there were some question marks about the lineup, and I still have my questions about it. Look, I cannot see any situation that you start Kieran Trippier at left back over Luke Shaw or Ben Chilwell. I can't get my head around it. I, I'm no. not buying anything to do with experience, okay, because one of those guys won a European Cup two weeks ago and Luke Shaw plays for Manchester fucking United. You know, that it's, it's not a case that these guys aren't capable of dealing with that. I can't get my head around it. I saw a lot of people question the Sterling decision. Um, I understood it. Um, I think that it was a logical move with playing a team like Croatia because it was always going to be an opportunity to hit on the break. Uh, Croatia like to retain a little bit of possession. If you turn possession over in the midfield, you've got the, the outlet. And especially with Kane... Uh, being the sort of striker that likes to play the 10 instead of the 9, which frees up space for Raheem to run into. And ultimately, we our best moments and chances were created through that. And the goal ultimately came from some intelligent movement by Raheem Sterling. He, the only problem with Raheem is that technically he has deficiencies because he should have bagged at least a couple on the day. Um, he, he caused them all sorts of problems. Horrendous. Yeah. And he's horrendous. He's... he's he, I don't know. I've, like you said, he justified his, his inclusion on the day. He scored the goal, which is fine. Um, I don't know. I, I'm. I would rather see him on the bench than play, um, just because he misses too many. He just misses too many. Yeah, but equally, he gets into those positions where because I, I know a lot of people are like we should have played Grealish. Grealish doesn't make those runs. Okay, Grealish likes to play. Um, face the goal right receive ball face the goal he doesn't want to get in behind Kane doesn't want to get in behind Foden doesn't want to get in behind we, we, if we'd have played those three up front we'd still be playing today and not scoring basically that's the problem England Southgate got it right I think he's got a couple of players in the squad in Rashford and Sterling who are willing runners to get in behind that's the game they play now admittedly against Scotland I don't think he'll play Sterling because I don't think Scotland will free up the space I think they're going to come to to frustrate I think they're going to be the team that are going to allow England to have a lot of the ball. And in that situation, of course you bring in a Jack Grealish because you need that creativity to be able to create moments of magic. Um, I, I think Southgate got that, that decision right. I think also um, the midfield balance was excellent. Uh, I, I didn't realise Kelvin Phillips had the ability to play an eight like that. He was fucking brilliant. He um, was really, really good. The most upsetting thing about Kelvin Phillips and the fallout from it is that everyone's gone he should move to a big team. And I, it annoys me a little bit because I'm like, Leeds are a big team, right? And the reason that like, Calvin Phillips is Calvin Phillips, by the way, is because of Marco Bielsa, right? Let's not get it twisted. Like Calvin Phillips had been playing under Oli Solskjaer. We're not seeing that performance. Um, the reason he was able to run constantly uh, for the whole time that he was on is because Bielsa has his players fitter than anyone else in the division. And, and England were reaping the rewards of that. I thought Declan Rice uh, did an excellent job of shielding. Um, which made uh, Tyron Mings look like a good defender. Um, I, I still he had a good game, to be fair, Mings. He didn't have to do a lot, but everything he did was That's right. the key thing, right? I don't think you can get carried away with our centre-halves because I don't think Croatia gave them anything to worry about. I think they'll get a, a tougher outing against Scotland because I think Scotland will put the ball in the box a lot. 
I think that that'll be their main threat from from you know be it an inside left with where Tierney will probably play or from uh, an overlapping run from uh, Andy Robertson. I think the ball will be coming in the box a bit, and it'll be a case of getting the heads on it. Now, obviously, hopefully Maguire will be back for that because that's his bread and butter. Um, that Mings didn't kill us. But he was never likely to kill us, right? It's not like Tyron Mings is like playing me at centre half at international level. The guy played for Aston Villa and had actually a pretty good year. I don't think he's better than his his partner at Aston Villa for what it's worth. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I thought Mason Mount was excellent in his moments. I think his biggest problem was Kane dropping into his space. Yeah, he just. I was disappointed with Kane. That was the one I was disappointed with. Looked a yard off, right? He looked yeah. to struggle running. That's the problem. I, I think that we and need he to... he obviously got to him quite quickly as well. Yeah. So what energy he had. Yeah. I think that... I think it'd be interesting to see if Southgate rotates that. Because, you know, against Scotland probably isn't the right choice, to be honest. Because uh, no, I think he's that you're going to need... If he a plays bit... against Scotland, he can score and we can get the goals and we can win the, you know, win the group, yeah. qualify through, and then rest him for the third game. Against the Czech Republics, maybe. I think that the... Kane needs to hold his position a bit more. Like, certainly, if if you're playing Grealish and, and Foden, he can't be dropping in like that because who um, are Grealish and Foden feeding the ball into? You know, he he's got to hold the, the, his position a bit smarter, and he probably will. Uh, I'm I'm sure that Southgate will make that apparent that he Some doesn't. Of that's though from him playing at Spurs, isn't it? Going it, to they, find yeah, a hundred percent. That is Spurs. Kane, um, absolutely coming to find the ball to, and it does free up the space. I mean, you. you Sterling basically played the Hongmin Sun role, and he, I think he did it really well. He's not as clinical. Look, it's a shame that he doesn't have the ability to be as clinical as Son. Otherwise, I'd feel a lot better about England's opportunities and chances in this tournament. But overall, I thought it was a really good um, opening show, and it's the first time we've won an opener at the European Championships, which is incredibly depressing, really. But um, at least we've done it. That monkey's off our back. We got rolling. We got Scotland on Friday. It's a massive football match, right? Don't make too. It's it's a. It's always a massive match. It's twenty five years. I think was it yesterday that Gaza scored the second greatest goal in European Championship history. Uh, um, it's going to be an absolute banger. Now speaking Henry on his ass. Yeah. Speaking of Scotland, hair. obviously. Um, I thought they were all right against the Czech Republic. I thought they were very unlucky. They just. They just Look. didn't take their opportunities. Um, and then just two moments of quality from from uh, Schick. Uh, an excellent header. I mean, he got up so well for his opener. But Scotland has now conceded two of maybe the top five greatest goals in European Championship history because that Schick second is simply outrageous. Yeah, I mean, it's it's technique, it's vision, it's... The, you know, I mean, he's obviously a player playing at the full of confidence after getting his first goal of the day, and like, do you know, what? I'm just gonna have a go. Um, I mean, I have to admit, look, I was listening to it on Five Live, okay, um, because I was at work and obviously it was during the day, um, and I have to admit, I was the Five Live was doing my head in because the Scottish commentator was driving me mental. If he mentioned the word, oh, we've got stacks of quality in the squad, I was going to lose it. I'm like, I'm looking at the Scott squad, think, got a couple of pieces, maybe. They've got some nice it. players, right? I mean, it's a shame for them that their two best players are left-backs. Um, it does limit them a bit. I think John McGinn's a good player. Uh, I think Gilmore's got a really bright future. I thought McTominay was poor, um, for what it's worth. 
Uh, he didn't have a great game in, in midfield. I think he maybe needs to be pushed further up. I think they, they really could have done with a Gilmore in there to kind of dictate play a bit better in the midfield than what McTominay's capable of. Um, the goalkeeper's positioning. The, but this is this is what's going on to. He's going, he's sitting there, uh, I can't remember his name, and he's arguing vehemently that the goalkeeper's positioning is not wrong because they're pushing forward, so he's pushed up. But, I mean, he has pushed it's too high. so far. He's, well, he's, he's practically at the halfway line. 18-yard box. If you're on your 18-yard box, if a ball comes in there, you'll still, you still give yourself an opportunity to get yeah. there first, right? But he's, Anything he's, more than that. He's at the centre circle. He's yeah. miles away. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, no, I can see that from here. I mean, I put it on to look at the goal, and I was like, no, I'm sorry, but no, the positioning is all wrong. He does not get that goal if he is, like you said, at the 18-yard box. It doesn't happen. Yeah. That goal doesn't go in. No, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's finished it excellently, but the oh, goalkeeper yeah. should be back there and just basically catching it. The fact that he put himself on the edge of the the centre circle, wasn't it? That's basically where he, he, he's ludicrous positioning, completely ludicrous. And uh, it iced the game. It killed the game for the Scots because up to that point, they were still right in it. Uh, they still created some, uh, they were still creating opportunities and bitterly disappointing for them because um, I, I I don't think the Czech Republic are uh, the same team of uh, what they were in with Rosicky or even going back further with with Nedved and, and Poborski. This isn't an exceptional group of players. Um, England, um, Scotland, obviously, we, we touched on. Uh, I fancy us to comfortably handle that one. Uh, Croatia, Czech Republic is an interesting football match all of a sudden for, for Croatia, that's for sure. Um, the Czechs will have their tails up a bit. They'll be feeling pretty confident. The Croatians need a, they need a result, simple as that. They need to go win that football match. They do. They're, there's no questions about it. If they don't win it, they're out. I don't think they'll get through. I don't think they'll have enough. Well, they might get through just because they have It's difficult because, confident. I know, it's really difficult. And it, I, In some ways, I like the fact if if the Czechs beat Croatia or they draw with Croatia Croatia is still in the tournament because of the, the best third place thing and it, it does mean that going into the final group games the games to be played that matter but it doesn't half confuse me when talking about who's progressing and who's not but well, it, it feels so like a really important it? it feels like a really important game for the Croats to sort of start to find a, any semblance of form uh, for the for the Czechs it's also important because uh, their final group game is obviously against England um I fancy, to be honest, I think England will run the table in this group. I think they're that much better than everyone else in this group. Question is, do we want to run the table? I look finishing second gives us an easier route up into the quarterfinal where you play France, right? Um, if we top it, we're probably playing Portugal. Uh, obviously, a lot depends on how Portugal versus France plays out. Uh, that's obviously to be seen. Um, I just don't think you can fuck with it. Um, no, I think, I think you just go out there and do what you keep need winning. to do. Yeah, keep keep winning. winning. Winning becomes a habit, right? So make that your habit. And, and just We keep, tried it, it the other way around last time, and yeah, we got to the semis, but like you said, it, it didn't happen in the end, so just keep winning. I, I think, yeah. you know, look, if I'm realistic, I don't expect us to win the tournament, but if, you know, if we could get up to the semis or quarterfinals, I'd be quite happy, you know, as an England fan. I'm quite happy, you know, we've given a good show and we've done well. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love us to win it. There's nothing more than I'd like to win it. I'm just a realist. I don't see it happening. I think that there's a lot of positives to take out. That we'll see, obviously, but we're only 18 months away from a World Cup, which obviously is the bigger competition to go and win. I think there's a lot of um, positives to take away with the fact that Foden and Mason Mount um, and even others within that group are already starting to get big 
international experience. The problem is, obviously, is Kane's our sole elite striker. And you do wonder about 18 months more on that body, uh, how he's going to look by the time we get to Qatar. And that heat, that heat yeah. uh, going into that World Cup is going to be um, a big equaliser for a lot of players going into that, uh, which will, will, could normalise quite a few. But um, that, I'm, I'm relatively okay. Look, if we play Portugal in the next round, I think we'll give Portugal a game. Um, I don't. F- Having watched Portugal, they look like a team full of very talented players who are still trying to work out uh, chemistry issues. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, to be fair to them, Hungary did well. They did. You know, they they, they, they fought hard. They had some moments. Um, but Portugal's quality did, did show out in the end. And, you know, obviously... Scoreline was a bit, bit, bit unfair on them, really. Uh, yes and no. I guess when you kind of get to the last 10 minutes uh, and keeping it tight and all of a sudden it does unravel like that, then yeah, I, I think you can say so. I think probably on on the overall level of chances, probably Portugal were just about about worth that. But um, Well, you see, my, my boy scored too, so I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your guy. And uh, we'll, get, we'll get to Portugal in a moment. Um, I guess that's Group D nicely summarised. Um, moving on to Group E... So Group E, uh, Spain, Sweden, the snooze fest of the opening suite of games. Um, Even my god, were boring. My god, um, all Spain. I've never enjoyed watching Spain at international tournaments for what it's worth. I I, I despise tiki taka football. I hated it. I loathed it. Um, and this is just now. Uh, Tiki Taka, but worse. It's passing, 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 and nothing occurring. And obviously, their biggest problem is the fact that if they do create something, it falls to Alvaro Morata, who is simply incapable in one on one situations. Um, in the air, really good player, right? Morata is as good as anyone, I think, in the air, uh, as his Chelsea time showed. On the ground, one on one. I just he's just incapable. Um I think he's trying to hit postage stamps without the technique and the ability to do so. Uh and, and they had one exceptional moment that fell to him, um, which was fortuitous as well. Uh, and he spurned it and yeah, uh, Spain defended resolutely. They had their own moment uh with uh Alexander Isaac, who is an interesting player in himself. Um you know, I think Sweden obviously will be the happier team out of it. I look at Spain and I think they're just, they're not a legit threat to win this tournament. They just haven't got enough going forward to win it. They are in the rebuild stage, aren't they? They have a young wave coming. Uh, it's not as talented as the old wave. I'm not going to say it is. And then they have some of the old guard left still because they need them. And they're just, they're just, you know, I don't see them doing anything now. I don't see them doing anything next World Cup. But if they get some more younger, talented players through. Maybe maybe for the next Euro tournament, they, they might start coming back up, you know, start building again. At the moment, though, I'm like you, yeah, there's not a lot there, nothing really to get excited about. I mean, unfortunately, our man in Madrid can't give us the lowdown. He can't, no. I mean, I, he, he, he did message and, and suggest the, um, that oh, the hey. family... Uh, <laughs> the family were Kane and Morata uh, and blaming him for all of their ills but I think there's more to it the thing is is that um, it's just very Spain to just go possession 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 I think they had a ludicrous number in terms of possession uh, it's just 
possession without um, really killer instinct is just boring. Um, it's not entertaining. Um, I think that there'll be, I think there'll still be enough to top the group probably. Um, you know, they've got Poland and Slovakia to play. But I think that once they get up against a legitimate team, they'll have problems. And I think their deficiencies in front of goal will just kill them in the end. Um, the other two played an interesting game, uh, Slovakia and Poland. Um, Slovakia, I believe, took an early lead uh, for a Szczesny own goal, <laughs> which is rather unfortunate. Um, Poland's equalised pretty quickly into the second half uh, before Krakowiak. Uh, got himself sent off for two incredibly soft yellow cards. I don't know. Have you seen these these cards? I haven't seen yellow. I, I saw he got sent off, but I saw two yellows and I thought, oh well, it's probably maybe one of them's a series of fouls. So, so know, the, the first one was for uh, that classic shirt porn counter attack. But genuinely, he barely touched the player. Oh, so it wasn't a really big grab. I, I don't really think. You know, the player basically felt like. The, the fingers on his shoulder maybe and threw himself to the ground I didn't think uh, it was a yellow card I, I really didn't the foul, second maybe, one looked but, even yeah. softer to me I, he was very unfortunate in my perspective of, of watching it I, I don't think that they were either worth a yellow let alone contributing on, and tallying up to a red card and uh, then Screener uh, of Inter Milan um, scored the winner which is a massive result for Slovakia in that group I mean as we said it's I kind of feel in this tournament you get a win You've got one foot in the next round, right? That's kind of how the tournament does play out. A lot of pressure on Poland now. Uh, Lewandowski, again at a major tournament, on the peripheries of everything. He really struggles for Poland. Because the difference for him with Poland than it is with Bayern is... Um, service. Service. Service, service, service. And the fact is, as well, when you're playing Bayern Munich, you've got to worry about the others, Right. Because they are a team of superstars. It's why they're called Hollywood F- or FC Hollywood, aren't they? That's, that's the fact. With Poland, when you're playing Lewandowski, just mark him, right? Uh, and, and mark him tightly. I think that if you, you, you can do a job on him um, and kind of uh, cut the supply line without really fearing. You know, you make the others beat you. If we're going to lose, make the others do it. Don't basically give a free lunch to um, Lewandowski and that's pretty much what Slovakia did so Poland Poland's are now up against it I'm going to see who their next matches are against I'm, I'm sorry I don't have them in front of me no, uh, so Poland's have Spain next um, which is going to be tough again because I, Spain won't provide much opportunity for Lewandowski again I, I think Spain I mean you can see that being nil-nil again to be honest because I just don't think Spain will score and I don't think Poland will score uh, so a bit of a snooze fest potentially on the on the horizon there. One highlights that one. Uh, yeah, Sweden Slovakia. Um, Interesting game. Yeah, I, I think that we'll see more about Sweden against Slovakia than what we did with Spain. Uh, I don't think Slovakia will obviously just dictate the vast majority of possession. I think we'll we'll see a bit more about them. Uh, maybe it'll be an opportunity for Isaac to. Uh, kind of highlight his talents and really put himself in the shot window. I know there's a lot of top teams that are desperate for a striker this summer. <laughs> he, he's one. I can't think of one club. <laughs> can't be, one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he's a player that's probably attainable uh, with with the fact. That, is he at Sociedad? I want to say. I think that's right. I'm not very good on this. I know that he's somewhere in Spain and somewhere where I think you could probably pry him from. So he's got an opportunity to put himself in a shop window this this championship. So he's young, talented, highly thought of, uh, very skillful. 
so I fancy Sweden in that one, uh, which then sets the group up really interestingly if it does. Um, it puts a lot of pressure onto Spain and Poland going into that fixture the following day um, for both needing some sort of result from that game. Yeah, um, very much so, yeah. So the final group is the group of death, group F, um, which kicked off uh, yesterday, right? That was yesterday's yes, football. Was yesterday's yes. Um, so we obviously lost the two o'clock kickoff, which was rather depressing, but I was very busy doing um, decorating at home. So it wasn't such a bad thing that that game didn't occur. Um, kicked off with, as, as we've just briefly touched on before, um, Portugal... Uh, with a comprehensive victory over Hungary in the end. Uh, they did burn a lot of chances early. They did look like a team of all-stars that had never met each other for about 80 minutes. And then it just seemed to just start to click a bit. Uh, and then Mr. Inevitable himself uh, bagged his inevitable two goals and um, puts himself top of the European Championship scoring list and puts him now so really within touch. 15 now, is it? Uh, he has 11. Is it 11? It's 11 in 22. Michel Platini has 9 in 5. That record is actually mental when you think about it. That's what great. an incredible record that was. Um, so Cristiano's obviously hit the ground running. Um, I think he's extremely motivated to, to go win this championship again and his supporting cast is better than what he had five years ago oh he's got some nice pieces that sit there's a him. lot of talented boys on that football pitch around him um, they've really got a little bit of a golden generation and they're lucky as well because they've got that young golden generation and the actual star players a striker that scores goals um, and is a machine for scoring goals yeah I mean they're also lucky that one of their golden generation happens to be one of the best centre-halves in European football and in, in, uh, Ruben Dias, um, who anchoring that defence. I mean, that, that when we talk about the fact that England are potentially, again, it's potential because we'll get to France in a moment. I'm not convinced this Portugal team loses to France. I I think the French will have to do more than they did. I, 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 I think you're 100% right. I, France did a lot um, of good things, but a heck of a lot of um, artetable. Should we leave that up for a minute? We we'll leave that for a minute when we get yeah. to them. But um, I look at Portugal. And the, the problem is, is that they've got a proper, proper. In fact, both France and Portugal have proper centre halves, which is a problem because um, our centre halves are probably a weak, an area of, of weakness. They straight all over the place, though. Um, midfield's really good. Midfield's really good. They've got the physicality in there as well, with a lovely mixture of technique. Um, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Um, Especially because, like, if that motherfucker Cristiano Ronaldo, he is captain inevitable. He really is. Um, I think that he he fancies this one. Um, I think the he's fact got that the bit between his teeth and he's yeah, up and running as fast as well. Absolutely. I mean, it was a, it was a very important ten minutes of football for Portugal for what it's worth because I think drawing that game against Hungary really put them would have put them in a difficult spot with the fact that they had Germany and Port, um, France to follow. Uh, with regards to finishing in the higher places, you know the doors open for them to still top the group. Um, that would require them to get a result off France, who played Germany last night. We, I, I found a very entertaining football match. Um, maybe not the highest quality. No, there was there sloppy, was, wasn't it? Lots it was a lot of sloppy play. Caught on the ball a lot. Um, 
the, the, the biggest come away was, um, holy shit, Kylian Mbappe is so rapid with the ball. He he is the closest that I think that we've seen to R9 at his peak in terms of running with the ball and the lethalness that he's able to uh, transfer from running to scoring with. I mean, what I'd say is from one mat to another mat, he's both played in defence and not blessed with lots of pace. <laughs> I felt very sorry for him last night. Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, the one he... And he, he rightly did get the ball through Mbappe's legs. I'm like, another day he's off. You know, because yeah. it's from behind, you know, oh, and I'm like, ooh. I, I thought he was very right. lucky for that, by the way. I thought he took the man and then the ball. I don't think you, you were able to make that tackle without taking the man. I thought it was I a foul. I thought it was very fortunate. The, the other takeaway was this, um, which is a concern for Chelsea, uh, the lack of quality in the final third for the Germans. Uh, lack of cohesion, lack of quality. They had an awful lot of the ball um, and in that kind of um, middle third, right? Going towards the French box without ever looking likely to score. Um, I mean, uh, they made the uh, negative sub, which is Timo Werner coming on. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, these, I mean, honestly, he came on and you barely saw him. Well, the thing was, is that Fran- France had sat so deep at that point. So what had happened, obviously, I think France played a bit of ball early um, and the goal, the pass from Paul Pogba is sumptuous. The, the vision to uh, to recognise the overlap uh, coming from um, Hernandez, uh, who did enough to just smack the ball into the box. It's one of those, that's a, a defender's nightmare. Um, almost just wasn't set quickly enough to deal with it, but if he doesn't do something, Mbappe's putting it into the back of net, probably. This is it. I mean... I mean, I think people are taking a lot away from Hummel's finish because I think it's a very good finish, you know, top corner you know, finish. He, 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 he did find the top corner in there. It was a finish. sumptuous strike. <laughs> but the um, after that, France effectively retreated to playing oh, deep block. Chance ball. Should we call it the chance ball? I, I mean, I, I equivalent it to, to Arteta's tactics at Arsenal, which is deep block and then... I, I'm Spring. actually going to disagree with you. This it's worse because they actually have talented well, that's the players to go and play football. It's, it's worse. It's it is worse because of the players they have available to them. But ultimately, their tactic was find the outlet, which was killing Mbappe. And Mbappe was just basically uh, because the Germans were pressing and pressing and pressing to try and, and find a goal to equalise. Uh, they were giving him an awful lot of freedom to run it. What is a very uh, ponderous uh, set of defenders I didn't like the Germans system um, I don't like them in that system playing uh, a free for free of sorts I think their midfield of they've moved Cruz it around and, a lot haven't they and they they can't really make up his mind can he no, Cruz and Gundogan as a, a midfield partnership in that system gives me you know no hope the reason why Chelsea have been able to play it to such a high level is because the guy that was playing for France last night um, and the guy that sort of is the key to unleashing uh, peak Paul Pogba, uh, N'Golo Kante, who, was, who did what N'Golo Kante does. He was turns, turns the ball over and lets the others play. And, you know, like um, when, when we see Pogba fry for France, I know it must be a frustration for the United fans. And I know at moments he's, he's obviously been able to flourish for United, especially when he's been pushed higher up the pitch. And it's why uh, Mikey was so frustrated with seeing Pogba playing in, in that double pivot deep in the six in the uh, Europa League final. But 
Conte does the dirty work so Pogba can go and play. And Pogba's so good. Like, at his best, there's very few, if any, better central midfielders with his gifts, um, which is such a shame. But it's also such a shame that he has to play under Didier Deschamps, who shithoused the, the back end of that game. He had Griezmann and Benzema just basically doing dog's work. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say this because I know you don't like it, but Griezmann did a really solid job defending last night. He did. He put good. a shift properly, put a shift in defensively. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he, I know I know you're not a fan, um, but I was like, I was sitting there thinking, God, that guy's really has put a shift in, and he's played every single game since 2016. That's unreal. Yeah, yeah Griezmann is the go-to guy um, for France. Um, He's, I'm not surprised. I'm not <laughs> seeing words frothing. Go. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if under a different manager he'd play so much. I mean, I, I I fully believe that Zidane's getting the job after this tournament, regardless of what happens if Deschamps wins it or not. I I uh, I, I, I you know. Look, if they win the Euros, they won both. And now now, can you go play a football tournament where you actually play football? It would be nice. Us. It would be you know, nice. And if you don't the win the World got. Cup playing football, everyone will be uh, they'll applaud you. I tell you what. You know, in my predictor, I had Italy and France meeting in the semi-finals, and that is really looking like a, a heck of a football match. Because they scored again, I've missed that. Yeah, yeah, they, they've won the game three nil, um, back to back three nils to open the tournament. Italy ain't fucking around here; like they are legit, legit. Well, they've, they've got that big issue, didn't they? Because they didn't make it to the World Cup, and the fans were not happy to say the underneath. You know, yeah. Italy make it to the finals. That is not. A situation that happens, and I think that it was a wake-up call for that squad. The I difference is between and, you know it's time you know this time we need to show it for the fans and we need to get going. The difference is between France and, and Italy is one's a team of necessarily not necessarily world-class name players, and the other is a group of superstars. It, it, it's it's it, it will generally come down to the fact that. Um, you know, d- does the coaching uh, and system beat the individual when those two meet? That, that's really a fascinating setup. It is, uh, on, yeah. I mean, on, on, it, it, I do think Mbappe versus Cinellini or Benucci oof. could also be. It could. That quite could. Unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to find a way of um, dealing with that. Every team's going to have to find a way. If you, if you, because the thing is, to win the tournament, you're going to have to beat France. That's my opinion. I think France win the tournament. By the way, I still believe that they, yeah, I agree. they win it. Um, that's why I say, if you're going to win it, you're going to have to beat them. It's as simple as that. Um, someone's going to have to find uh, the solution to that. I, I don't quite. I, my guess is that the best way to beat Mbappe is cut off the supply. Right, you're not going to be able to deal with him and his pace. His pace is too much, right? So you're going to have to find a way of uh, dealing with that that ball that's coming into him. I think that's the best way you can defend against him. Uh, but on the Germans, I think they're better than what people had suggested coming in. Yeah, they surprised me actually because you know when when the goal went in, um, the own goal, and I was like, oh, it was coming that France were going to score. I could just feel it was yeah, coming. It was um, inevitable, wasn't it? And then it was like, okay. How do they respond? Do they sit back and go, okay, let's just not take a hiding and sit in tight and just frustrate France? Or do they go and try and give them a game and go for it? And, and to be fair to Joachim Lowe, they went for it. They I, really did. I agree with you about the strategy. I also didn't agree with the substitutions of what he came on to bring on to change the strikers. He needed to do something, but Timo Werner and Sane as like a two just 
didn't give me any confidence that was going to change anything. The two players that haven't had great seasons. That's a tough thing, right? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Leroy Sane, and it's just not happened for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just not happened for him at Bayern. In fact, it's not happened for him post injury. I think the injury's taken a bit away from him. Um, it might take him time to come back. I, I think him, him walking away from Pep Guardiola was a mistake. Simple as that, right? But we'll see. Like they've got Nagelsmann coming in there now. Maybe, maybe he'll be able to rejuvenate him a bit. I, I get why you put those players on. By the way, the problem was is that France is set up so deep that uh, they couldn't get him behind. Uh, and no, ma- no, maybe, no. I mean, and maybe you've got to give credit something. to Deschamps. Maybe Deschamps said, um, "I'm not going to let these fuckers uh, basically have the space to try and get in behind me because that's our only area of weakness." Because they're two centre halves in Kampembe and uh, Varane. Solid, real solid. Put something yeah. in the box, we'll deal with it. That's the I thing. Know, we, we talk about Portugal and, and and Ruben Diaz. Like France have got a pair of them. Like they're yeah. proper proper defenders. They're fullbacks, excellent. Like they've got excellent players everywhere on that pitch. France, they are so stacked with talent, and they, they go to the bench more talent. Um, but I think what with Germany. The- Foul on Pavard. Oh yeah, you know that's a fair yeah. point to touch on. Um, that was unpleasant. It looked ugly at the time. It. It I, looked I ugly thought it was wasn't that bad stuff. And then you see how he falls, and you think, oh, he's, is he out? He was out. He apparently said he was, he was out. out. Yeah, I thought he um, was because the he way should've... he lands on the floor, there's no protection. He for the face. didn't move, did he? Um, no, and he lands face first with no hands up, which is you know your instinct is to you know put your hands in the way to break the fall, doesn't it? And he didn't. Um, and yeah, he looked out, and I'm you know. Once again, though, it does make you wonder if he's out. How on earth have they let him play on? Yeah, it's so shocking. we're back to the old problem again, isn't it? Yeah, the concussion protocol isn't fit for purpose in, uh, in in football yet. Um, there's no way he should have continued. And it's not like um, France are lacking in players to bring on to to cover that. No, it's not. Um, it's 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 just um, that was the other especially thing as well. considering that yeah. we, we saw something happen. Um, for player before, health and safety, yeah. yeah. And the fact that we then kind of take this response to... But then the, the whole referee decision was weird as well. He's trying to move him off the pitch. Well, what's going on here? He's, yeah. not, he's not moving, he's not looking right, and he's trying to usher them off the pitch. It's like, well, you're not letting the doctors do their job. It, it, was, it was a really weird moment. I was sitting there watching it. I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I'm like, you know... I really don't feel like the doctors have got time to assess him properly before they're moving him around and he's just going to tell them he's fine because he's a professional football player. He's not going yeah. to come off that game. And yeah. I'm sitting there thinking the ref needs to give them time, give them time to make that assessment. Because I, I, I got the concern from them that they weren't sure. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, if, you, if you're not sure, then you have to protect the player. Like the, the protocol they have, like, I, why are they not using the NFL one? I know, I know why, because effectively, you, then you'd need a concussion substitute, a player to come on a bit for five minutes while you're properly checking. But if you have to check him, he has to come off. He just has to come off. It's, it's like these players need protecting for themselves. That's the classic thing with with professional athletes. Um, you have to take them out of that situation. It's as simple as that, right? Because uh, they'll keep going until the wheels come off, right? That is literally what they do um, because they're just born winners and they'll play through pain and, and injury um, to, to, uh, to their own detriment. Um, so, yeah, that was shocking. Uh, but again, 
not surprising if that makes no, sense. No, football no, has been able to sort itself out. And I thought once again, this is not this is not good. It's not a good look. It's not a good look for a big international tournament where they haven't got this right yet. But yeah, um, you know, quickly on France, you know, they, you know, they, 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 they shut up shop yesterday, and you know, they worked hard, but they didn't really need to do much. They are a terrifying team to come across. Like said, if they ever click. Down. If oh, they dear. ever click, that, and I kind of feel like the World Cup, they were massively underwhelming until they got to the final and went, let's get some. And they obviously handedly beat the Croats in the final. Still can't, the worst you, handball decision I've ever seen of all time. <laughs> I said, you know, with VAR, it's like, it's just shocking that decision. It, it was a laughable call, wasn't it? It was a poor no decision. I can't see it. Yeah, anyway, anyway, that's um, in the past. But no, you're right. If they ever click and decide that, actually, do you know what? We can go play like old school you know, 1990s Brazil, and we'll just spank goals in against you until we win and run the score up. Holy moly, there's going to be teams that are going to get absolutely trashed by this lot. Uh, and the thing is, they're still young. There's so many of them are young in yeah. that squad. It, that, and it's, you know... It's, you, a, they it's can a conveyor easily... belt of talent that's coming through France. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrifying. Um, it's a, it's, it is a problem. You know, it's a problem for England because... As I said, to win an international tournament, you're going to have to beat them, yeah. right? Yeah, you're no going to have to beat them. And are we good enough to beat them, man to man? No, because the thing is, is it, they, they got two, and they got two of the most cracked players in in football, right? Uh, effectively, cheat codes. You have got Kylian Mbappe, who basically is unfair because of how quick he is, right? He, he, it's not just that he's quick because there are other fast players in football. Look at Dan James, for example, who's fast but can't do anything. It's the case that he's fast but he knows how to deliver when he gets there. His composure, uh, the goal which he scored, which was disallowed for like a marginal offside call, was just so good. And the other one's N'Golo Kante. Like you, if you, you've got to, to beat France, you've got to beat a team that has N'Golo Kante as an insurance policy. It's just not fair. It's not fair at all that you got. That's that's what you've got to go and, and compete against. And, uh, and, and they brought Benzema back now. And you're like, they oh. did bring Benz back. And they've um, got Giroud. I mean, they, the one saving grace we have is the French squad have fallen out, which is tournament specific. It's is always what happens with the French squad, and they have had a falling out, which is yeah. quite exciting. I mean, it gives us all hope. That Mbappe really seems implode. to not let go of the Giroud situation, but I wonder if it's because he doesn't want to play with Giroud. And I think, I think he wants to play with Benzema. I think he wants to play with Benzema as well. And so he's decided that I can make Oli sit on the bench by having a problem with this. By having this little fit here. Um, um, in Oli's defence, shut up and just let the man do what he wants to do. You're sitting there and you can get the plaudits and you can get anything that comes back. Uh, and you can tuck it in, and no one's going to complain at you. I think it's, it, the only thing, like you say, other than obviously a, a 2010 level um, collapse between the players, is obviously Deschamps and his tactics. Um, but I just think that shithouse tactics with sitting deep and pinging balls at Mbappe is pretty sound, to be honest. It's probably going to be enough to win most football matches. Um, and, and if not, if in doubt, he doesn't know what to do, just go out and play. Um, the old classic, I don't know what I'm doing, manager tactic, and it probably works with the French squad. Uh, Sadly. So, so, I mean, obviously, we're, we're probably feeling pretty good about 
by France and Portugal progressing from that team. In terms, I do of, think the Germans will get out though. Once again, third place team Germany. Um, it's not so a they've team got to come up against. Is their, their Saturday five o'clock kickoff: Portugal versus Germany. Interesting game. Feels like a very important football match. That one. Um, so For what it's w- worth, I think the Portuguese will win. They're the better football team, so you would favour them. But and they fo- talking about cheap weapons. They have their own. They do, yeah. I mean, Mr. Inevitable himself playing up front. But we'll have to see. Uh, it's certainly a great opportunity to, for, for Germany to bounce back against France. have got Hungary. So um, I, I, f- I feel that... Um, I feel sorry for Hungary. It's the first tournament they've been to for years. And I mean, they're going to Group F. It's like, come on. They watch the Saturday go, oh, well, they're not back for the month then. Yeah, it's great for the fans. I think I think a couple of these games are taking place in there, so at least they're getting to see some world class players. And on it's full stadiums, right? which is really nice. Yeah, so so that, at least that's nice. Um, I, I think that France may well um, get some rhythm with their goal scorers in that game. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, that's a, our, our run through, I guess, of, of where we are. Other things to touch on, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember what we've spoken about so far because we actually did originally start this podcast, uh, I did a monologue and then we've restarted the podcast since. It all went wrong. kind of giving people, our, our listeners an opportunity to peek behind the curtain. Um, I guess a couple other things that are obviously ongoing in the world of football, uh, managerial appointments. Uh, it seems that Rafa Benitez is set uh, to join uh, Everton as a manager. So, uh, obviously, with his Liverpool links, a level of controversy? Not too sure. that Everton and Liverpool have a weird relationship um, as rivals. I think it's because Everton aren't really seen as rivals by Liverpool. You know, as, as, yeah. as harsh as that sounds. Um, one of my favourite things that I didn't know until about a year ago when I watched um, the Two Tribes documentary on BT Sport was... Um, that in 1984, they had um, Everton and Liverpool were battling each other for the league and FA Cup. I think it was 84. It might have been 86. It's one of those. Anyway, um, and uh, Liverpool ended up winning both. Uh, however, they Everton were forced to join. I don't. Yeah, they were forced. They were forced to join in an open top parade through Liverpool. With Liverpool, um, oh. can you imagine that oh. having that to is... be on an open top Why? bus? Um, I think I think it was partly due to sort of the eighties and how tough it was in Liverpool at the time. It was sort of a celebration of something that was good from from the area. But yeah, Gary Lineker was part of that. Um, he he, uh, he was talking about. I mean, that's as as bad as it gets, isn't it? Like you lose both trophies to your city rivals and forced to, to, to take a bus uh, parade to celebrate uh, their losing, success. Losing um, both two, five times. Oh. But it's, um, it's an interesting rivalry because I think the players probably, I mean, when you look at some of the tackles and stuff, they, they're obviously playing like a proper rivalry game. I think Benitez is a really good appointment. Um, I agree. I mean, look, it's going to cause some controversy with the fans. It's going to take some time for him to win them around. But, you know, Rafa's an experienced manager. He's won silverware. He's won big European silverware. I mean, he did a yeah. great job for us when he came as interim. You know, and you yeah. can't forget that. Well, uh, I mean, he, he delivered top four and, and won a European trophy. That's fair. Um, I, I, I'm pleased to see him back with an appointment in the Premier League if he gets it, where he can do something. Yeah. I, 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 felt, 
you know, like you said, we, you know, Newcastle, he had his hands tied in, in more ways than one, not just financially. Um, I felt like there was always something simmering all the time behind the scenes, uh, an uncomfortable, unpleasant environment. And, and look, he's, you know, he's going to come out with a decent job and, and like one that I think he'd be passionate and want to get involved in and build on. He, he could build his own history in Liverpool, his own history, Liverpool history from two clubs. I mean, how incredible would that be? It'd be really unusual. See, I think he's got family that still live in the area, right? I think that's a key thing as well, um, which is probably another thing. It's, it, uh, you know what? He's been linked with this job before, but I think it's a really good job for, for, for him. I think it's a really good appointment for, for Everton. I think he's a manager that is keen to get his teeth into a project. I don't believe that Carlo, as it did turn out, um, really was fully committed to a long-term project. This is a team who had ambitious owners that want to break into the top eight and then the top six and then if they can in time break into the top four they've got um, a new stadium which should uh, break ground soon uh, which is in an excellent area it's right on the on the on the river it looks amazing the stadium so it's quite exciting times and I think they needed the manager that uh, had the allure to draw players in and also had the tactical nails to deliver on the pitch. And I think they've got a relatively comfy run of games to open up with as well, Everton. So it's a good opportunity for Benitez to come in, uh, bring some players in as well, probably, um, but also get a system that means that they'll get results and then be able to deliver with a, a more comfortable uh, with a comfortable run of games to start with. Um, Tottenham, on the other hand, um, they, they're about to announce the manager who's was replaced by their old manager, uh, Jose Mourinho. Fonseca is coming in, which seems like an incredibly underwhelming appointment, uh, given the flirtations that took place with Antonio Conte, who is uh, one of the elite football managers. Um, I'm gonna, it's reality. Reality is catching up with that football club. It, it's, it's not a project that a lot of managers want. You know, that team is looking to lose its key piece. Um, and then that may well start the domino effect with other good players. So it's a complete rebuild where you know you've got no money to rebuild and your expectations are top four. I mean, it's just, I don't think I'd want that job. I just, I don't see what you get excited about. It's a tricky about one, right? Because the financial situation is difficult because of the stadium. Um, that, that's, you know, there's a lot of money to pay off there. The pandemic ultimately hasn't been beneficial to Tottenham more so than probably any other team because they haven't been able to not just uh, have fans for for football matches but fans for everything else that they wanted to have in that stadium including Lady Gaga concerts and the NFL so it's left probably a massive black hole of funds which um, were planned to be there but ultimately aren't there and then obviously they've got the Kane situation who honestly seems like he he set his mind um i've seen some interviews it's the right with move him. for me by and the it way. is the right time it's the right time and i think that he's probably aware there's a big offer coming uh from manchester and it's his uh, last chance really it is cuz especially to get um an opportunity to play under guardiola in a team that wins a lot right it's an opportunity for him to score a lot of goals and win a lot of medals and um you know he's been a, an exceptional player for Tottenham. Um, ultimately, it's not quite bare silverware. They've been close, but not close enough. Um, they've failed to back the right manager. They've then gone through this cycle of uh, Jose Mourinho, 
which has taken the team back significantly. It's, it's, it's a good moment for, for, I think, parties to separate. Replacing him is going to be an incredibly tough ask, especially with um, maybe not the marquee manager that could attract. I mean, if you get Conte, maybe you've got an opportunity of attracting Lukaku, maybe, right? I'm not saying that, that that's a deal that's likely to happen from all I'm understanding is that he is not leaving into Milan this summer. He loves it there, uh, regardless of Conte being there or not. Um, but yeah, Tottenham are going to be... I just can't see anything but negative. Um, and I know as a, <laughs> regular listeners to this podcast probably feel that I revel in that, but um, I do feel for for Tottenham fans that this is going to be a difficult time. Like you say, it is a level of reality check for them that they've gone through this cycle of four or five seasons uh, with the best group of players they've had in a generation and failed to deliver on it. Yeah. Um, you know, that, yeah. and, and that, that's why winning's tough. You know, you can kind of um, talk about teams and how good they were, but ultimately if you don't put the, the silverware on the table, then you do tend to get History doesn't forget losers, right? Because winners get to tell the stories. So um, it's a tough one for them. I, I, I guess we could probably delve into to more rumours, et cetera, et cetera, of transfers, but that's probably for days. another time. It's early days in this window. I mean, there's, I mean, look, you know, there's plenty of ones that are simmering there. And I, like you said, at the end of the tournament, I, I do feel that obviously this will progress very fast, very rapid. A lot of these deals will be done very quickly. Yeah. I completely agree. I think while the tournament's taking place, I think players' priorities are fixated on on the tournament, which is obviously uh, what you want, you know. Especially because two of the players that are linked with big money moves playing for England. I'm more than happy that those players are focusing I on did, the job in hand. I, I did read something that made me giggle today, which uh, was uh, James Madison uh, to Arsenal. I'm like, no. Uh, and yeah. I'm gonna say No, I'm going to say no because why? He's got European football. Why is he going to go to Arsenal this season? Why? <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's, it's an interesting one with Arsenal because um, they are still a big club, right? I know that where they are right now isn't where they should be. Um, and it feels like they're trending backwards as opposed to closing that gap. I guess one thing that happens in football is um, wages. Arsenal do pay their players. That may well play a significant role in it. Uh, Madison may well see it as progression for his personal career. No one knows. The thing is, is that it's all well and good um, team A linking with t- player A, right? But the thing is, is unless the player has an interest in playing there, you know, maybe James Madison is like you say, he's like, why would I downgrade to well, play for Arsenal? I don't know if that's the case, right? Well, I was thinking, what's the transfer going to be going to be on that? I mean, Leicester don't sell players cheap. No. Okay. Right? So they don't sell players cheap. Arsenal don't buy players full stop that are expensive. So I just don't see it happening. And I was just like, I felt sorry. I mean, it's it's the Arsenal fans. They're scratching. They're scratching for some good news win of someone that wants to go to their club. And at I mean, the moment, linked... it's tough. It is tough. tough. It is tough. I mean, I revel in this. As as you revel in Spurs, I revel in Laguna struggling. It's quite amusing. But there's there's, there's personal history there for me. Oh. I, do, oh. I mean, I've never told you the story, have I? So... Back when I was dating one of my old girlfriends, long before my wife, which obviously I've been with for a very long time. Very long time, um, yeah. 
her dad was a big Arsenal fan, and he kept saying to me that he will convert me to Arsenal. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really am a Chelsea fan. This is back in the Ranieri days, before oh, right. the money okay, really so when, turned up. So when, when they were the big boys. When Arsenal, they were the big boys, yeah. and I'm like, look, no, Chelsea's my club. I'm, I'm happy, you know. I'm, this, anyway, he, but he was one of these people that just, just wouldn't let it go. Every time he saw me, he's like, are you going to come across to the red side? I'm like, no. And you know when he gets past a joke, he just gets annoying. And then he had to come pick her up when we knocked them out of Europe. Under Ranieri, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember it, Wayne Bridge, yeah, yeah, and uh, I'll just put it this way: I just went, "That's why I don't want to join." Dave ne- never recovered from He literally from that. never spoke to me ever again, ever. <laughs> literally never spoke to me again, um, which just said it all to me. And I was like, "Okay, so I've got this personal thing about it where they keep gigging it, and it, it was always constant. Oh, we're the big team in London. We're the big team in London." It's like, okay, you know, at the time we didn't have that history, and it was just it just frustrated me, mate. It's just. It's in there. It's, it's never going to go away from me. No. It niggles. But hey, that's a personal bit. There's a personal bit of history there. Yeah. Um, I guess some final business. Now, I'm assuming that there's probably been um, adverts during this podcast, um, which is the first thing uh, for this podcast. That is because we have now uh, joined the Sports Social Podcast Network, uh, which is the UK's first dedicated sports podcast network. Um, So this is quite exciting for us. Um, We're part of a larger team. Um, It gives us an opportunity to uh, maybe delve into a uh, new uh, podcast for where you'll be able to find us. It also gives the opportunity of exciting guests who can bring some expertise from Maybe other teams that uh, are not Chelsea, Manchester United or Everton, which would be quite good fun. You know, we, we think back to obviously having Dan on at some point to talk about Tottenham, which is exciting. Well, hopefully I'd love to get Dan back on sometime soon because um, as we just touched on the goings on at White Hart Lane, which is not the stadium anymore, uh, has been quite uh, dramatic over the last couple of months. But yeah, exciting times. Um head on over to the website uh, you'll find us there as well as other excellent podcasts to delve into and enjoy so I guess that's uh, you know what one thing that we are missing I don't know if you're prepared for winners and losers uh, or winners and chumps as I should call it you got anyone Jackson uh, we'll, we'll start winners because I, I feel that I can guess your winner I think you know my winner I've got, uh, I, I, I can guess Mr Inevitable is going to be your winner right my Mr Inevitable is going to be my winner of the week um, yeah really yeah, you know, look, he does what he does best. He scores goals. And I'm, I'm, I completely agree with you on this one, but not necessarily for just his on-pitch performance. My my win is Cristiano Ronaldo, other than obviously everyone involved with um, the heroic response to rescuing Christian Eriksen and everything that happened on, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, because of the Coca-Cola incident, because that... That is truly incredible moment. Um, and I have no doubt that that must have impacted the share price because he's the biggest star athlete in the world, right? He's got the most followers on social media. He's, he's a guy that is adored globally and people want to be Cristiano Ronaldo. And he's out there telling everyone, all our kids to say no to Coca-Cola and yes to water, uh, which is just a remarkable moment. I'm just going to say, by the way, hello. Um, yeah. Joining us uh, from Madrid, our Spanish football uh, correspondent, Mr. Yeah. Michael Edwards. Let, left it a little bit late. Uh, Ronaldo's Coca Cola snub has wiped 4 billion off of their stock price. 
Four billion. Oh Four billion. my god. I mean, it helps that he's a Pepsi athlete, right? Is he a Pepsi athlete? I thought he was. Yeah. Well, he's, oh, he's, he's not. He's not av- a new one, is he? Because it's Pogba and Messi. Well, he certainly advertised Pepsi in the past because he's done he like, has, fast food he? stuff, hasn't he? Um, but yeah, did you see um, Pogba did the same thing with the beer as well? Yeah. So he sat down. Someone shoved a Heineken in front of him. Uh, which like, nope. I am a Muslim. I do not drink alcohol. Yeah, pretty uh, bad planning there to put alcohol in front of him. I mean, that's that's shameful. But yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I mean, the the high ups at Coca Cola when they saw that must have been like, what just happened? Um, he's, he's right. No, he, he, the best thing about that, he is right. You know, kids drink too much of that filth, and it's filth. It's just scum, isn't it? It's scum in a bottle. So fair play to him, calling them out on it. And I mean, you know, there's a massive, you know, obesity problem across the world, especially in Western nations that drink fizzy drinks. So fair and now play. a word from our sponsors, Coca Cola. Filth in a bottle. You heard it here. Filth in a bottle. I guess losers, uh, Jackson. What you got in terms of losers? Uh, UEFA for restarting the game, uh, the Denmark game, Finland game, and not waiting at least a day. I think they are the losers and they should be probably, well, they should be called out on it, but they won't be. So, Well, wasn't the issue with this is that they gave them three choices, basically, either play it like an hour later, play it the next day or take a 3-0 forfeit. And they basically gave them like no time to basically think of a response. And it's like you can't expect the Danish players to have any kind of rational response to this straight after what they've just been through. Yeah, um, I agree. It's, just, it's utterly ridiculous. And, and that's, all, that's all pressure from sponsors for the time slots, for the adverts in the breaks, because they don't want that to be on while there's a possibility of another game being on. If coronavirus can delay games and delay seasons and do all sorts of things, surely someone having a cardiac arrest on a pitch and basically dying um, is, is more serious. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like the priorities here are just a bit... Out of out of whack. I don't really get why. No, I don't. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It, it was a very it's, look because it's a tournament. It's a very difficult situation. We, we did touch on this earlier. I think they should have taken out the players' hands to play Saturday. They, they, that should just never been an option. The the option was, I think, to play the next day. Um, yeah, to give I the agree. Danish players an opportunity to decompress everything that had occurred, um, and also gives an opportunity to you know. We we were all probably still waiting, right? We were all still waiting for word that Ericsson was okay when they they kicked off the game. And now I'm sure that they probably had better information than what we did, and it did seem to leak out that he was okay. But you, you surely, you know, want to hear that decompress will go again tomorrow sort of situation. It's tricky because of the way the fixtures are. Because had they moved it to Monday, Finland played today, so uh, and they played in Russia today, so they'd ha- they have to get from Denmark to Russia, the fans and everything else. It's just a complete nightmare. I think we did touch on this. If they were in a single nation playing this tournament, you have an opportunity of being able to move multiple games because you move the Finland-Russia game to Thursday, you play the game Monday, right? That's what probably would have been the best option. You, you, you don't play it Saturday, you don't play it Sunday as well. You give the players enough time to kind of fully try and try and get in the right headspace to play football which even now it must be very difficult for them but at least give them a window of opportunity but I just think with that game being on on Wednesday for Finland killed that opportunity um, and I don't think UEFA really gave enough breathing room to make a decision I think they just should have said look the game's off now 
we'll go away and try and work out how we're going to do this. Prepare, that will play tomorrow. But if we can do more to kind of give more opportunity, that's the way the failure was. Um, my loser is um, Scotland. Um, you wait you wait 23 years to come into a tournament. Um, and it's a memorable game. You know, there's no two ways about it. Memorable because a man scored from the halfway line against you, though. So um, I would say it can only get better. But it's, it's England at Wembley on Friday. So maybe not. Have you got winners and losers, Mikey? Um, I don't know. I've just kind of, I've just kind of turned up at the very end of this show. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose that like, the winner would obviously be, um, yeah, the, everyone involved with Christian Eriksen, the, the, the paramedics. The I really Simon, should have gone for that one, by the way. S- I don't Simon, know why I, didn't. Um, I never pronounced a second. Kier, Kier, Yeah, Simon Kier. Yeah. Oh, he's linked now with the uh, Milan captaincy, isn't he? Which is, uh, I think, pretty solid move. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, he was an Everton stalwart for me on football manager. He was a, a, a fine defender. Um, um, yeah, I mean, like they're obviously the winners. Obviously, I, I will give a shout out to, to Cristiano Ronaldo as well, just because he is a, a hero of mine. Um, in terms of losers, I don't think you can look too far past Scotland, if I'm honest with you. I will say though, and I'm, I, I know it's this hard. It's, it's a couple of things, a couple of other things that have just been annoying me. A, I called it last week about Didier Deschamps scum football. I'm just annoyed by it. I'm annoyed that a team that talented has to rely on kick and rush. I get that Mbappe is the fastest man in the world. I think that's like that brief cameo against Hummels where he just absolutely murdered him for pace. And then to be fair, he got tackled. Um, that was a frightening display of pace. And I get that if he's in your arsenal, you probably just want to camp on your box and spam triangle basically right to try and release him i completely understand that but at the same time it renders so much of their attacking talents useless and it's just it's just very disappointing to watch them win games like that i mean germany i'm not i like germany but i also i'm not it's very much a different german side you know i don't really rate serge gnabry too highly uh, Havertz has had a, an interesting season at, at Chelsea. They still don't have a centre forward after how many years uh, of, of you know the national team not having a centre forward. Muller's still kind of up there or thereabouts. Um, yeah, Kimmich playing right back. Like, come on, man! Like, what's going on here? And France could have just put their superiority in that game instead. And the other thing I just wanted to mention is this whole. I was speaking about it with the boys last night in the WhatsApp group. Is that this whole kit clashing thing drives me bananas? Why, in the name of fuckery, have Nike got blue shorts for France? Right? France are white, are blue shirt, blue shirt, white shorts, and red socks. Germany are white shirt, black socks, uh, black shorts, and white socks. Those are the fucking colours, all right? Let's not fuck about this anymore, all right? Let, they're the colours, and they, they, they could never be a thing, apparently, anymore, because you have to have full fucking kits or what have you. It's, it's, it's shit, yeah? I hate it. I hate it beyond belief. I, I get that it's for accessibility reasons and all that jazz, but no, yeah? No. Not where I'm from, Sonny Jim. I, I do agree right. with you on the kits. Yeah, the kit thing is infuriating. I was watching the Italy game tonight uh, blue shorts the what's the shorts going on what are they doing yeah i've just it, been watching the last uh, I, I pretty much watched the like the pretty much the second half of that game just because uh yeah i'm trying to calm down a, a, a terrified dog um i, I watch an italy play although immobile man that guy kills me like he scored at the very end he scored at the very end he should have had a couple more though 
That guy is dreadful when you give him space and time in the box to, to, to pick his moment. Bloody hell. It's infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. Yeah. He's got a couple of goals in the tournament already, though. I mean, they, they've... Two they've, goals. Two goals. Yeah. You know. he's, he's doing well, don't get me wrong. He just scored a goal, right? And it was, uh, you know, swing of the boot outside the area. Fair enough, it goes in. <laughs> you know, the other one was a, uh, a bit of a tap-in. You know, fair, nice tap-in. I give him it. But the two chances, I mean, Federico Chiesa burst through, yeah. played a lovely ball to him, one like through on goal, just shanked, didn't even hit the target. Twice he did it, didn't hit the target. Just, oh, shanks it wide. Disappointing, man. Disappointing. They're gonna, we, we were talking about this because we, 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 we were talking about Italy earlier and how they're going to be an interesting matchup with France potentially further down the line because you're going to have a situation with a, a team that are well-drilled, well-coached, maybe not the star names, going up against a team of star names that are not well coached. You know, we're going to generally find out what what wins here. Is it the system or is it the player, right? It's, it's going to set up... I love up that be... you said the player. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be really fascinating. The one thing that I do look at, I keep going... Because the thing is, is that we look at all these luxurious players. They've got Benzema, Mbappe, Pogba, Griezmann. And then the thing is, is that the one thing that they have that's not fair is N'Golo Kante. Because yeah. they've got all of that and if it goes wrong at that end, it's like, yeah, but Kante's there covering everything. And they've got pace and power in centre-half as well, Varane yeah. and Pempe. Like, yeah. it's just, they've got... And they um, can play as well. That's yeah. the thing, they can play. Yeah, I, like I said, the team that beats them wins the tournament. Yeah, it has to be, really. It has to be. Um, and after watching, you know, we've seen every team now. Um, although I wasn't, I was fairly annoyed with France. I haven't, you know, other than Italy, I'm not really blown away by anyone else, as you talked about. I imagine you talked Netherlands, comedy at the back, fun, but comedy at the back. I imagine you talked Portugal, huffed and puffed for 85 minutes, and Ronaldo, as glorious as he is, basically fucks them as an attacking unit because it's just, let's all find Ronaldo, and it kind of, yeah, ruins their fluidity a little bit, I feel. but They look like a team of superstars that had just met prior to kickoff. That's, yeah, yeah. It took them 80 minutes to find any level of fluidity, and I think that'll hurt them going through. Um, Bruno Fernandes plays up front for them for some reason. Yes, he does. But I, I don't really understand that. He was always ahead of the play, and I was like, eh? I, I yeah, I, it's, it's a bizarre one. Um, the manager clearly struggling to find some sort of system that fits their talented players, but also uh, accommodates Ronaldo and everything he wants to do. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. I know that I'm just coming and we're just retreading old ground. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave you guys. <laughs> it's good to, to hear from you. Maybe, maybe right. wrap it up. I don't know. Yeah, um, look, it's been fun. Right. Hope, hope, I think we're going to be back uh, next Thursday recording. That's the end. Uh, it's, basically, there's no football next Thursday uh, because it's the end of the group stage prior to when the round of 16 kicks off. Uh, we do expect to have producer Collard back. Uh, who um, will be extremely excited with Rafa Benitez, I'm sure. Uh, uh, He's going to no. love that rotation. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, just, we're just... excited to have him back. Look, let's put it that way. Horrible appointment, by the way. Are you not a fan Ooh. of it? We both think it's a good appointment. Horrible. Okay. Find me a Rafa Benitez team that plays good football. There aren't any. Yeah. Uh, 
Steve I, I, Bruce has outperformed him in the with Newcastle. Uh, see, 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 this, this, this is the one, isn't it? It's, it's the Steve Bruce has fucking murdered rapper Benitez's career because when he left Newcastle, Benitez's stock couldn't have been higher. And then Bruce turns up, spends forty million pounds on a striker that can't play football. Then they get to spend more. You've got to remember how much money Bruce has spent to basically be just a tiny bit further up the table. Maybe look, I, I think Benitez is the kind of guy which does a project yes I think if you back him on a project he will basically commit to it 100% I think the problem with Carlo was Carlo was like yeah this is fine they're paying me an awful lot and that was kind of it I think I think that we saw that the first time that a big team fluttered their eyelids uh, him he was like oh Benitez will be loyal. Let's, yeah. you know, he'll be loyal. He'll be loyal to. I mean, I, whether, I just, whether they whether they're playing liquid football by next November or by by November is very unlikely. They'll I'll be, be very, very difficult to play against, won't they? I'll be very intrigued to see how the fans take to him because obviously yeah. he the was the Liverpool manager for many many years. But he loves he the area, right? Loves the area, but oh, I don't know, man. I I have a feeling they'd have been more happy with like Steven Gerrard or something. Do you know what I mean? It would have been more. Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 look. No, ra- look, dude, rather him than a punt on a, a Potter or a, do you know what I mean? I, for me anyway, like, I get that Potter's a, a popular choice to put in these. He's hats. a sure thing, right? He's a safe um, set of hands. But because this is it, Rafa Benitez has been there, done it. Players will respect him. Be He's got a good against. pedigree. They'll be tough to play against. They'll pick up points where they probably won't deserve to. And if they can continue to spend sensible money, um, look, he will look, He will build something there. I, I don't like him, and that's why I'm saying it's a horrible appointment. <laughs> I don't I like him either. So, like, uh, but he didn't, did, he win a, didn't he win a European Cup? He did win a European Cup for us, yeah. Uh, so he has a pedigree of delivering he does. silverware. And I think that, look, we know Lee. He hasn't enjoyed seeing Everton win silverware since 1995. Um, you know, like, I think he would take a um, tough watch, uh, Liverpool icon um, and silverware. Liverpool legend. I'd be very curious to know if he would prefer Rafa Benitez or going back to David Moyes. That would be interesting. And we'll have to ask him next week because, uh, as I said, we're excited about having him back. Fingers crossed... Uh, the rain in Spain stays mainly out of Madrid next week uh, as well, so we can have uh, your fine self with us talking. Did you mention? Did you, I assume you mentioned why. You know what? I didn't. Show. I didn't delve into this. I just basically glossed over it. I think I should say that we're having difficulties with uh, our connection <laughs> in Madrid, but um, it's shitting it down with all kinds of weather in Madrid this evening. Mikey is solo, dad with dog today, and dog did not want Mikey to be doing the podcast. Basically, thunder, lightning, hailstones, just horrendous torrential rain. And yeah, Dog was just like, I have never seen this before. I'm going to basically spend my evening barking, running around, looking out the windows frantically and pissing all over the floor. Um, So that's what I've been doing for the last couple of hours is cleaning up endless, endless piss. That's pretty (laughs) It has finally stopped. And as soon as it stopped, it was like... I am going out for a shit now. Goodbye. And he went out and did a massive shit. And that was, uh, and he looked very pleased with himself as well. And he's finally, as I've walked in here, gone, ah, I can settle down now. Good night. And it's like, you son of a bitch. So yeah, that, that's him. Jackson, are you going to be on next Thursday show as well? Are you going to grace us with your presence? Oh, are we going to get Jackson as 
the fourth amigo in in the pod of two halves. Are you can't, are you going to get on board the bandwagon and become an official member of the crew? Do we have to get a cartoon of your face oh. and stick it in the logo? Um, look, I, look, I think you need to have a chat with Mr. Collard, and that's a decision for you three. Look, if you want me to come, I will happily come and join. I'm more than happy to do it, though. I will have to buy a laptop because my arch one is now telling me it's going to restart again. <laughs> oh, sorry, my work laptop. Uh, we'll try to bleep that Um, I think that's probably a a good moment to to say goodbye then uh, seeing as Jackson's laptop's going to kick him out in any moment anyway um, thank you for listening as mentioned before um, we are now part of the Sports Social Network I've got that right Mikey right yeah nailed it um Next week, as we said, hopefully Lee's back because I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm doing when I'm hosting because I like to talk too much. Anyway, that's enough from me. Uh, Arrivederci. And until next week. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sport Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.